On Tuesday, October 24th, women and non-binary people across Iceland refused to work in protest to unequal pay and gender-based violence. The World Economic Forum ranked Iceland the most gender-equal nation based on factors such as pay, education, and healthcare. In Iceland, 90% of the country's workers are unionized, so the strike was organized by unions. This was the largest strike in Iceland since the iconic Women's Day Off in 1975. To learn more, I talked with UCSB Feminist Studies professor Eileen Boris. Can you please explain the gender pay gap in simple terms? Okay. The gender pay gap is a uh, notion that there is a difference between the pay of men and women if they work the same number of hours and days in a year. It's usually been measured by just annual earnings, but a more accurate pay gap is by number of hours worked, actually. Even while the pay gap in this country has gone from like 59 cents to to a white man's dollar for white women, to lower for Black women and Latinx and Latina women, it is, and we don't have it by uh, for uh, non-binary and queer and trans people uh, separately. Uh, which is a problem with historic series. Uh, but uh, if you measure it by a number of hours work, the gap, instead of now being only about 20 points, is a little more uh, generous, you might say. Uh, so it's not only that women often are in more precarious jobs than men, and that is their short-term fewer hours, and they're not paid as much, but they don't work as much in general. So they don't have as much overtime. Uh, They have more days off because of uh, household responsibilities. That makes a ton of sense and good background, I guess, for the story. My next question is, how does this strike compare to the 1975 Iceland women's strike when 90% of women refused to work, clean, or work after children, also known as women's day off? Well, the Iceland women's strike of 1975 was a phenomenon. No country, no one had ever seen such a massive refusal to work. And the initial supporters of it were, were the equivalent to the to Red Stockings, the radical women's liberation movement. You have to remember 1975 is the year of the UN uh Conference on Women. It is a year of feminist mobilization. And Iceland is a particular situation. Iceland was one of the first countries to give women the vote in 1915. Even though women had the vote, very few of them had been in positions of political power. And at that time, I think there was only two women parliamentarians or something like that. So one of the big differences is that it was the unions this time, rather than the women's liberation movement in alliance with unions, but led in 1975 by the women's liberation movement by its most radical section. So that was one of the major differences. And another major difference in 1975, you didn't have a woman as head of the country. Totally. Okay. How does the gender pay gap in Iceland compare to the United States? 
the gender pay gap uh, stood at 10.2% in Iceland in uh, 2021. And the biggest disparity was in financial insurance, uh, economic activities, where the gap was almost 30%. But the wage distribution showed that more women had lower paying jobs. And many of those women were immigrant women. If we look at the U.S., we have a similar kind of profile, a division uh, between women who are having jobs and being like the prototypical man, who are mostly white, while you have a vast number of women of color who've come in to be domestic workers uh, and agricultural laborers who are barely making the minimum at all without benefits, et cetera. So the gap is less in Iceland. When I did some background research on this, learning that in Iceland, the economy is very much dominated by tourism and a lot of immigrant women work those jobs. So yeah, I do remember that being something that is an important part of this strike. Okay, what is the significance of this strike given that Iceland is considered the most gender equal country according to the World Economic Forum? It shows you can have gender equality on paper, but not in practice. Because one of the other demands of the strike is to end violence against women, which, of course, we know takes many forms, and particularly in forms of sexual harassment and coercion in the low end of the labor market, but also throughout the labor market. So it shows you it is very difficult to achieve equity between gendered people. Could this type of strike be emulated in the U.S., and should it be? Well, we had massive women's strike uh, on the 50th anniversary of the big suffrage parades. I think it was 1970. I was there. Uh, I walked. uh, That's awesome. At the time and went on that march. And it was a, a day that women walked off the job and didn't work or didn't go to school or whatever. And it was more successful than the initial organizers thought it was going to happen. Betty Friedan, who had been, who was the outgoing president of the National Organization for Women, had called this day and then left it to other people to organize. And they said, oh, my God, this is going to be a flop. But it wasn't because there was such pent up. What had happened today, I'm not sure. Uh, we don't have a unified movement. We never did. But this country is very fragmented, as we know. And yet, think of the, the biggest demonstration in U.S. history up to the time was the day after Trump's inauguration. Abortion and women's reproductive health is very unifying. Whether you would have women stopping work and men who support them stopping work. I think if there was a real possibility of a national ban, yeah, I think there would be. Yeah. What other types of protests for feminist movements can we use to resist the gender pay gap? One of the major ways to resist a gendered pay gap is to become unionized. The data shows that union women have less of a gender pay gap. So union workers have a better deal, but they do raise the level for everybody, I should add. The best way is really to be in a union and to uh, have solidarity and to bargain for that, to collect the bargaining. But not all workplaces are unionized and it is very difficult. 
The rules for unionization are really been made very, very difficult. Look what's happening with Starbucks and Amazon, for example. I really wish our uh, students would have a movement or join the movement to get Starbucks off campus and, and to have a coffee shop like we used to that was locally owned, quite frankly. The Cornell students have done it. Why can't UCSB? Other forms of protest is through hounding legislators. Of course, you can get laws passed, but are they going to be enforced? Okay. Um, My last question is just, do you have any other final thoughts you want to leave with our audience? Go out and protest and organize the world. Thank you for tuning in. With KCSB News, this is Lily Ulrich.